Hey friends, welcome back to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. Today we're getting a little bit spooky. <laughs> I'm going to be sharing four of my most physical encounters with energy beings. We're covering some poltergeists, Bloody Mary, and we're ending on a high note with an angel encounter. <laughs> Here we go. So, as I shared in the first episode, the first paranormal experience I remember is when I was two. We had a poltergeist that lasted for seven days. My memory is obviously very limited, <laughs> so a majority of this is coming from my mom. It all started when my mom and I joined her friend for dinner and we went to see a movie. Her friend was house-sitting at the time, and I guess we all carpooled, so we went back to that house after the excursion. They were chatting in the kitchen for a little while before we left, and he mentioned that in the middle of the night, he had woken up and had seen this young girl dressed in a long white nightgown that was staring at him. He was in a sleepy, dazed state, so he wasn't sure if he was making it up or if it was real. She seemed to be transparent, and he watched her float down the hall to the stairs. As she started to descend, she began to disappear. What, Thistle? I don't know where I got this information from, but I always had the impression that a ghost that is manifesting itself physically will typically disappear once it gets to the area that they passed away at. So I was always under the impression that she probably passed away at the stairs. My understanding of why that happens is because there's almost like an energetic signature of the event of their death there, like a scar in the timeline. And they're still processing what exactly happened, so whenever they interact with that scar, it's like a magnet that starts to open up a lot of memories and stuff to help them process it and pass over because that's naturally what's supposed to happen. So that'll naturally raise their frequency up to a point where they just can no longer physically manifest, you know, because they're just too high. Anyway... We left, and as we were driving home, my mom kept getting a mental image of that same girl that he had described holding on to the trunk of the car, like flying behind us. It was coming through really strong, so she kept checking the rearview mirrors and everything to see if she could see anything. There was nothing. She didn't think it was possible that a ghost could even follow you like that, so she just brushed it off. We got home, everything was fine, and then we all went to bed. My mom and I were staying with family at the time. We and her two sisters were sleeping in the living room. One of my mom's sisters woke up to the sound of giggling and whispering. She naturally thought that it was my mom and their younger sister, so she kind of snapped at them to be quiet because it was the middle of the night and she was trying to sleep. She glanced up at them and realized that they weren't familiar to her. <laughs> my mom and I and their other sister were all sleeping fine. One of the girls she was seeing had long blonde hair. The other one had long brown hair and was wearing a white nightgown, just like what my mom saw at her friend's house. My mom previously had really long hair, and she just recently cut it all off. And these two girls were pointing at her and laughing like they were making fun of her hair. They then laughed at my aunt, the one that snapped at them. They turned around. They floated to the bathroom. The bathroom light had been turned on, and then as they went inside, it just slowly dimmed to darkness. 
In the morning, my aunt shared what she had seen because it was obviously very strange, but no one thought it was anything of concern, so we just kind of brushed it off and that was that. Later that day, when my mom was using the bathroom, the shower doors started to bang against each other so hard she thought they were going to shatter. They were just slamming with so much force. So she quickly ran out of the bathroom. There was no reason that would be happening. There wasn't an earthquake. It's impossible for wind to have like gone into the bathroom and created such a reaction. So they knew something was going on. The next morning, my grandmother, who also was living in the house, woke up with a bruise on her arm that was in the perfect shape of a handprint. Like, it looked like someone had been squeezing her arm. It didn't hurt when she touched it, but it was completely black and blue. At one point, the spirits threw my mom's cat out the window. Luckily, the window was open, so it just was thrown through the screen, and the cat was fine. The screen was completely mangled. So it took a really, like, powerful throw to do that to the poor thing. Another day, I was sitting at the kitchen table eating my cereal, and I saw some movement underneath the table, so I naturally looked to see what it was. And I saw the girl with the brown hair, white nightgown, on her hands and knees, staring at me. She was rocking back and forth and growling, snarling her teeth. It was very animalistic. I started screaming, yelling that there was a monster under the table. This image, as I spoke about previously, <laughs> really sealed itself in my subconscious and it made me terrified of the underside of tables for a long time. I don't know the full account of everything that happened, but I know the spirits would also mess with the lights a lot. Like, they would make them flicker or just turn them off entirely. So this stuff was going on consistently for seven days, and it got to the point where they felt like they needed to call a professional paranormal group to come and, like, clear the house of the spirits because it was just, it was just too much. Oddly enough, the second the phone call was made, all of the activity completely stopped. They ended up even canceling the appointment because there was nothing for them to come clear up anymore. Just the verbalization on the phone that they didn't want those spirits there was enough to make it all stop. There are many reasons things like poltergeists happen, and in this case, my suspicion is the girl latched on to my mom, so she followed her home. She found a new friend there who was in the same state as she was, going through the same kind of thing. And messing with all of us was a way for them to kind of bond and take out their frustrations. Since it started a bit snarky with them making fun of my mom's hair, you know, I feel like they just weren't in the best frame of mind and were kind of fueling that negativity within each other. And then once it got to the point where they kind of crossed the line and we reclaimed our space, it snapped them out of that and they just left. With emotionally unstable energies, you don't want to provoke them or try to calm them down while they're in that, like, heightened state. The same thing goes with people, you know? You need to reclaim your space first, so verbally set your boundaries, create your protective bubble, and then approach them with the place of love. So I will usually vocalize that only beings of light and love are allowed and everything else is banned immediately. I repeat that three times and then say that I'm open to help them once they calm down, but I cannot have that heavy energy in my space. If they want to come back once they're calm and talk about it or whatever it is that's bothering them, I'm totally up for it. 
but I can't reason with something that's in a state of chaos. If you don't feel comfortable giving them that like choice to come back and discuss it with you, then you can just give them a nice little energetic hug. Just imagine a beautiful, sparkling, golden light gently giving them a little squeeze. It gives them a little tool to help them release whatever it is they need to without you having to like actively help them through it. And then I will finish this whole process by then creating a protective bubble around my entire space as we talked about last episode. There will usually be some lingering heavy energy because our walls are just sponges for energy. They just soak stuff up. So after something like this, it's good practice to cleanse your space by burning a cleansing botanical. So sage, cedar, rosemary, lavender, palo santo, any of that stuff. But make sure you have some windows open so the smoke can actually take those heavy energies somewhere. You got to air it out. I also recommend just opening up the curtains to let some sunlight in. This will also help just remove any of that weird lingering energy. This next story happened when I was 17. I had just moved out and was in a like transitional place. So I was staying with my grandparents for a little bit before I fully moved out. One night, we were going to have my dad over for dinner. He pulled up the driveway, so I walked outside to greet him. He opened the car door all the way, but was still sitting inside because he was, like, looking for something in the back seat. After a little bit, the car door slammed shut so aggressively, the entire car started to bounce. There was no wind, so I assumed that he had done it, and I was a little bit confused (laughs) because it was very aggressive, but... I just let it be. He finally came out of the car, we went inside, and he asked me why I had slammed the door so hard. I always play little pranks on my dad, so it wasn't out of character for something like that to happen, but I told him I wasn't even near the car. I did not touch it. I had assumed he had done it, but he said he was facing the back seat the entire time. He wasn't even turned towards the door. We were both very confused, but energy can be weird. We just assumed it was some little passerby. The next day, my grandparents both went to work, so I was there alone. Just to give a visual, at the back door, you walk into the kitchen. To the right is a bathroom and a bedroom, which is where I was staying. But at the other side of the house, there's a bigger bathroom that has like a tri-fold mirror that I liked to use whenever I was doing my hair or makeup because then I could see (laughs) everything from all angles. (laughs) So I was over in that bathroom fixing my hair when I heard a door slam and some loud stomping. My dad is a bit noisy, so I just assumed he had pulled off from work to use the bathroom. He cleans pools, so anytime he's in the area, he'll just stop by and, you know, use the bathroom. I made my way over to say hi, but as I was going, I didn't see his car in the driveway. All of the doors were locked, so nobody would have just walked inside. My grandparents' house already just gives me the (laughs) heebie-jeebies. I feel very uncomfortable when I'm there. There's weird energy, so... I was very much on edge, but I just went back to the bathroom and prayed for the best. (laughs) To get back to the bathroom, I went through the kitchen, through the dining room, and then started to head down the hallway. When I was about four feet from the bathroom door, I heard something running in the dining room, but it was like stomping. It was really loud running. I turned around and I saw this dark shadow running from the dining room to the living room. 
It looked like a black mist, but it was very humanoid. I could physically see a black, misty body shape. It gave me this very bad, uneasy feeling. So I immediately told it to leave, and I started to feel a little tickling at my neck. So I touched my neck where it was tickling. I looked down and I saw that there was a giant spider on my arm. It scared me so I jumped and I accidentally knocked it onto my shirt and then when I was about to brush it off it completely disappeared. It completely vanished. This spider looked very physical. It was a legitimate spider and it just completely vanished in thin air. I started to feel the shadow's presence again. It was standing right in front of me about eight feet away I, again, I could physically see it. I basically just started scolding it. I told it to leave me alone and to leave the house. It wasn't welcome. It finally dissolved, and the energy around me just felt a lot lighter and calmer. I thought that it was done. That was that. Well, later that evening, <laughs> when my grandparents were home, we were all sitting in the living room watching TV. I saw two huge spiders next to me on the couch. Again, very physical. I thought they were real. I jumped. I was about to smack them off. But right when I was about to, they disappeared. Sure enough, I saw that misty energy being thing walk past the doorway. My grandparents, well, my grandpa, is not that open to this stuff, so I can't just, like, get up and start talking to an energy being, you know? So, I was really just pissed off, <laughs> so mentally I was kind of telling it off. This thing kept screwing with me. I was over it. My grandpa's energy is a little weird. His office is in that hallway, and it's always been a breeding ground for just weird energy portals where like strange stuff just comes in. I can't go in and close those because, again, he is a little weird about this stuff. So I basically just told the shadow that if it was going to be here, it had to stay away from me. It had to stay away from my space. I did not want to see it. I did not want to interact with it. It made me uncomfortable. That was that. About a week later, I was outside on the front lawn just getting some sunshine. I heard a loud bang come from inside the kitchen. So I walked over and from the window, I could see that the door between the kitchen and the dining room had been slammed shut. The window itself was closed. The air wasn't on. There wasn't even wind. There, that door can't just magically close. So I assumed it was that shadow guy. I walked over to go inside and just make sure everything was fine. And I found that the door was locked. The thing locked me out. <laughs> so I had to call my dad to see if he could pull off of work to unlock the door. I think it was only like noon and nobody would have been home until like six. So there was no access to food or bathrooms, both of which I need often. <laughs> so luckily, about a half hour later, my dad was able to come back. He unlocked the door. I told him what was going on and my dad personally did a nice, like, energy clearing real quick. He connects to this collective called the Bird People. I wrote about them, actually, on my Instagram. If you want to check it out, learn about them. But they are just these, like, huge bird people <laughs> that have this, like, beautiful gift of just transmuting energy. They just push it through. If there's heavy energy, it just is all neutralized. 
They are excellent. So my dad was channeling them to clear the energy of the space. Things finally felt calmer again. He left for work. I went back outside, this time with my keys, just to be safe. (laughs) I did not want to be inside by myself at that point. (laughs) Around the front porch, there's a flower bed that's walled by stone, and it's about three feet tall from the lawn. It has a pretty thick lip at the top, so I was walking around the edge. I lost my balance, and I started to fall forward. In front of me, on the ground by the grass, was a rose bush planted, so I was in for a nice three-foot face plant into a thorny rose bush. But at the last second, something pulled my arm backwards, like it was standing behind me, you know, keeping me from falling. It pulled me so hard, so suddenly, my shoulder dislocated, like dislocated and then popped back in place. It hurt. Very badly, but it saved me from a very bad fall. I had a really strong feeling that it was the shadow thing that had done that. Instead of it feeling very heavy like it was before, the transmuting process that the bird people did allowed its frequency to raise a little bit and neutralize so it could become more grounded in its thoughts. It was also no longer physical. I felt like it was just an act of saying truce. You know, it was just an agreement that I respect you, you respect me, it's all good. We don't need to have any weird tension. (laughs) I agreed. I thanked it for helping me. From that day on, I would still see the spiders sometimes that would disappear, but they wouldn't be on me. They would just be like on the floor or the wall or something. That was always my sign that the shadow guy was there. Since our relationship kind of formed to one where we just had respect for each other, if I felt like it was ever intruding on my space, I would just tell it like, hey, please just back off a little bit, and he would. After a few years, his presence started to calm a lot, um, so I haven't personally really had any interactions with him in a very long time. Everything obviously operates at various frequencies, and there's a purpose for all of them. Technically, there's no such thing as good or evil, just high vibrational or low vibrational. Duality is an illusion. Everything comes from a single energy. Source, God, whatever you call it. This energy is pure light and permeates everything. On Earth, everything feels very separate from us, so our perception will put labels on the things around us. Sometimes that heavy energy is just an aspect of ourself that is constantly being rejected because it's viewed negatively, so it could just be coming because it needs some love to be able to gain some healing and realign. If you're able to get to a place where you approach everything, the good and the bad, from that perspective, you are able to connect to everything from a place of oneness and thus learn how to coexist with everything peacefully. Things happen, so it's not always an enjoyable experience having to coexist with heavy energies, which is why boundaries are so important. But I've learned that respect and understanding are far more beneficial than just pushing things out sometimes. With the shadow thing, I was very adamant about it leaving. I wanted to, like, I don't know, declare my territory. And it was creating a lot of tension that was just unnecessary. We can all coexist 
We just have to respect each other's space and just understand that, you know what, we're all here together. We're all oneness. We are all each other. And that's fine. (laughs) And that's my thought on that. We're going to take a quick little breather. When we get back, I'm going to share some of my more intense stories. (laughs) The first one is probably the scariest thing I've gone through. It has to do with Bloody Mary, and it still gives me chills to this day. The second thing is when I saw my guardian angel. So stay tuned. All right, we are back. This next story is about Bloody Mary. There are tons of views as to who exactly she is, how to conjure her, what happens when you do, but the legend that I grew up with was that she, I guess, was the spirit of Mary I, and you had to flush the toilet three times, spray water on the mirror three times, flicker the lights three times, and say her name three times. She would appear and kill you, I guess. It wasn't ever very clear. (laughs) I first heard about it in first grade, and I was absolutely terrified of the bathroom. I didn't like public restrooms or school restrooms because I needed to have the door open. The last thing I wanted was to be (laughs) locked in a bathroom by myself. My mom knew I was completely terrified and it was getting out of hand, so she was like, you know what? Let's just do it together. I'm going to show you that nothing's going to happen. I promise. We went to the bathroom, did the toilet flush, water splash, light flicker, said her name, and all was fine. (laughs) I felt better, but I still wasn't convinced that she didn't exist. Fast forward a few years later, I was 10. Every summer, I would go to this theater camp that had this big performance at the end, We learned some, like, acting scenes and a dance and song number. Acting and dancing have just always been a big part of my life. (laughs) So we were all upstairs getting ready for the show. It was our little backstage area. There was only one bathroom. With that, there was, like, a big public restroom, you know, for the audience and stuff, but we just had that one little one. We still had, like, an hour before the show started, so a group of my friends and I decided hey, we've got some time to kill. Let's do Bloody Mary in the bathroom and see what happens. I had told them that my mom and I had done it and nothing happened. So we decided to have all the bases covered this time. Two people were at the toilets flushing. One person was flickering the lights. Two of us were splashing water on the mirror. And then there was one person outside just as the lookout. We went into the bathroom, took our positions, and decided we would say Bloody Mary 13 times. We started doing everything simultaneously. Once we got to about the ninth time of saying her name, there was a faint green glow that started to come from the mirror, and it was starting to get brighter and brighter. Everyone saw it, so after the 13th time, we all kind of huddled around the mirror and noticed that there was an outline of a crown starting to appear in the upper right-hand side of the mirror. It was your standard crown with, like, pointy tips, and it looked like the green light was, like, emanating from that. We were in the dark, so the green light was very, like, noticeable. It was very bright. Then the crown started to begin to look more solid. Like, instead of looking see-through, you know, it started to become, like, a very solid golden crown and the light was very bright so we started screaming thinking something was going to come out of the mirror 
And the girl that was by the light switch, because she was closest to the door, she was trying to open the door, but it was stuck. Our friend on the other side started freaking out and was asking if we were okay and that she was going to get an adult to come help. Meanwhile, the green glow was still, like, filling the space. We all teamed up to try to, like, use group force to push on the handle to try to get it to open or just push on the door. Somebody was literally throwing themselves against the door because we were absolutely terrified. Finally, one of the teachers came and just opened it like it was nothing. And the second she did, the green light was gone. We were all completely freaked out and did not want to go anywhere near that bathroom. When I had to go, I would just sneak out and use the, like, audience restrooms. And everyone did the same except for the one girl who was by the light switch. She had to go to the bathroom just before the performance, and she was like, screw it, I'm using the little bathroom back here. We were all just kind of watching because we were a little bit scared for her. And she went in there, you know, did her business. She screamed and then ran out. We ran to her. We asked her what happened, if she was okay. She said that she was washing her hands and heard a growling sound and then something scratched her back. So we lifted her shirt to see if there were any marks. And she had these two huge, like, claw marks. Like when a cat scratches you, they're very thin, but it's like something very sharp, you know? They were bleeding, and they were completely down the whole length of her back. Luckily, nothing else happened to anybody else. That was just the extent of it. Unfortunately, I feel like the energy just grew so much that it, I don't know, just needed to kind of lash out at something before leaving. And since the girl was involved in conjuring her, she was the target. Other people had used the bathroom before her, but nobody had any kind of weird thing happen, so I feel like the energy was specifically waiting. I've never been able to crack the case as to what exactly happened, what Bloody Mary was, but I also haven't explored it because it was terrifying and I don't want to connect with that again. <laughs> I feel like it sheds light on intention. I remember we all had the perspective that we were going to make it work regardless. Bloody Mary was coming through somehow. And having a group of people placing their energy on bringing forth some specific entity from a specific area, which was the mirror, you know, is going to open a portal. That's how manifestation works. Mirrors are already susceptible to be portals just due to their nature. So adding in an intention with a repetitive phrase like that is going to create an opening for something to come through. Another example of the power of intention. When I was a kid, and I'm talking like three or four years old, I started saying I wish I had whatever or I wish I was whatever. I was into that I wish phrase. And my mom would tell me to be careful what I wished for because you never knew what was listening. It could come true and put you in a weird predicament. <laughs> I became really into angels when I was about four. And I would always say that I wished I saw an angel. And my mom told me that, you know what, they're so beautiful, it's going to scare you without a doubt. It's not going to be a fun experience. Careful of saying that. But I wanted to see one. I was adamant. My mom and I were living in a little one-bedroom apartment at the time. We shared a bed, and my side of the bed had, like, a safety mesh rail thing so that I wouldn't roll when I slept because I was a very active sleeper. I moved a lot. <laughs> 
So we were going to bed, and I started quietly whispering over and over, I wish I saw an angel. I wish I saw an angel. I wish I saw an angel. I just kept repeating it for, I would say, a solid five minutes. I started to get a little sleepy, and then I heard a subtle pop sound, and I felt the energy suddenly shift, which kind of made my adrenaline start pumping. So I looked over to my side of the bed, and I saw a bright white light glowing from, like, underneath the bed. It looked like there was a person or something that was hunched over in a ball, and they started slowly standing up. So the first thing I saw was the wing because it was like the highest point on their back. It was 100% physical, bright white, and the details were ridiculous. I could visibly see the structure of the wings. I could see each individual feather. It looked incredibly soft and silky. (laughs) It was moving really slowly, so I was able to see everything. It got to the point where it's... It it was still hunched over, so it's like head and neck were down, but its wing was completely over the mesh rail, and I could see that it was wearing some kind of like white gown. The wing was huge, and as I was staring at it, it's like it's like when you look at an ink blot and your brain just kind of formulates a picture, you know? A similar thing kind of happened. So I was looking at the indentations of the wing, and they it kind of looked like it could make a face a little bit. So I freaked out and I screamed, Mommy, Mommy, it's a big head. There's a big head. I was freaking out. My mom woke up. She saw a glimpse of it and then it disappeared. The light was gone. It completely went away. I was terrified, but I was also very satisfied that my trick worked and that my mom could confirm that it was an angel. I always wish I toughed it out and waited for it to fully stand so I could see its like face and everything. But it was being really great. It didn't want to scare me, so it was going really slow, just trying to make me feel comfortable. But I just (laughs) couldn't do it. (laughs) So that's the power of holding intention through multiple methods. Feeling something in your heart and vocalizing that experience into existence is legitimately this, like, superpower that we all have that we can use. We just have to use it. I have used this method for manifesting things in life in general. I don't do it that often because it takes a lot of energy to bring forth a specific outcome immediately. The one important thing about manifestation is that it cannot involve other people. It has to solely be about you, otherwise you're messing with their free will. There are an infinite amount of parallel realities in any given moment. Every thought we have will automatically start opening up these realities because every outcome is worked out somewhere. I hesitate talking about this because with this comes a lot of responsibility, but if you focus your manifestation on connecting with the reality that coincides with the outcome you want in a given situation, you aren't affecting anyone's free will. You're just realigning your reality in that moment. Keep in mind, there are some things that we are contracted to experience and some we are not. These contracts are renegotiable, but sometimes it's more valuable to presently go through them rather than dismiss them. So if you are approaching your manifestation from this perspective of aligning with specific realities, if you at any point start feeling uneasy or uncomfortable there's just something not right, stop. 
that is a warning specifically coming up for a reason. And that's our episode for today. (laughs) Approach everything with love, own your power, and I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. To learn more about what I do, visit channelwithamber.com. For future updates on the show, to give some feedback on future episodes, or to just connect, follow me on Instagram at channelwithamber. Shout out to Unicorn Heads for my theme song, A Mystical Experience. See you next time.